Friends, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Forum Church. It's good to see all of you today. Uh, And for those of you joining us online, welcome to you as well. Uh, We hope that you're able to see and through seeing somehow feel as though you are still participating in the service as well today. Friends, this is the season of Advent. We are walking toward Christmas together. And as we do so, we are talking about hope. We're talking about hope. And we are looking at a beautiful passage in Isaiah chapter 40 to do that. So you may have noticed that in the world around us, there's things that seem to be going well. We make plans and the plans stay on course. And then sometimes we make plans and they fall apart or we have to repurpose. And in this place right now, uh, that can take a hit on your hopefulness, right? And so uh, in church, we have good news, which is that we are a people of Advent who are always living in this space between things not working out the way that we had imagined that they would and holding on to a hope that yet all things will be made new. And so if in some sense you find yourself today, whether you've been in church your whole life or whether you are new to this whole church thing, looking for a more certain thing to set your sights on for the future, we have good news. That is what we're about. Karl Barth once said that, uh, what other time does the church have except Advent? And in, in a way, that's true. It is always Advent, because we are people who look back to the fact that Jesus did come, and we are people who look ahead to the hope that he is coming again. And so I tell you that as we start, also because that gives us a frame for some of our announcements, uh, which is to tell us that some of the things that we have been looking ahead to have had to change. So we had talked about having the Christmas pageant next Sunday. We're going to have to postpone that because it's turned out that one of the people in our leadership team has tested positive. Uh, There's been a COVID instance in their family. And so we're going to have to repurpose that plan and we're going to have to push it out a little bit further. We are not canceling. We are going to postpone it. Our hope is that we might be able to do that uh, one of the Sundays during Christmas. And along with that, also cookies. So stay tuned for those things, but for next Sunday, we will continue to gather for worship, but uh, we will have to hold off on the Christmas program, and we'll have to hold that hope for a little bit further down the road. Speaking of other things coming, wanted to let you know that this week, we have a congregational meeting planned for Wednesday at 7 p.m. There is the possibility of some weather. We'll keep an eye on that. But for now, we hold the hope that we will be able to gather uh, for that meeting at 7 p.m. together. And if you could please come early on that night at 6.15, we would like to honor and celebrate someone who has been part of our uh, worshiping life and our care community for a long time, Howard DeVries, uh, whose uh, whose time and his position will be coming coming to an end at the end of this year. And we want to honor and celebrate and remember all the work that Howard has done. So please come early on Wednesday for cake 
and for a chance to share memories and remember and commemorate Howard and Marlene. That being said, my friends, you've gathered in the presence of God together. And so whether we are feeling at home or far from home today, uh, you are with brothers and sisters and we are journeying toward the day when all things are made new. Friends, would you rise and body your spirit and let's worship together. Friends, the Lord be with you. We continue our Advent journey with a reminder. This world is not our home. Even now, we live by faith, longing for a better country and a new creation. Even now, I wait for the Lord, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Even now, there is no darkness with you, O Lord. People of God, hope in the Lord. For even now, we do not wait in vain. God's watermark. We walk toward God's future feast. We carry the book of God's story. People of God, welcome home. Even now, there is no darkness with you, O Lord. Friends, let's sing, My Soul in Stillness Waits. Stillness waits, truly 
has held the oceans in his hands who has numbered every grain of sand kings and nations tremble at his voice all creation rises to rejoice behold Advent is about waiting for a promise from God. And so Advent is about hope, our great hope that Jesus, who came as the Savior, will come again. And when he does, we will welcome him as the King. We prepare ourselves by holding that promise in faith 
and in the company of all those who hoped in the Lord before us. From the book of Hebrews. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Friends, this is God's word. And from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus. Today, we light these two candles to express our hope of the coming of Jesus Christ the Messiah, God's Son, our Savior. We anticipate welcoming him as our Savior and Lord. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh 
Please join me in a prayer of confession. Oh God, you give us your good news and call us into a new covenant relationship with you. Help us to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the valleys be lifted up. Through humble people, prepare your world, O Lord. Let the mountains be leveled off. And our pride, and take away our arrogance. Save us from false hope and unwarranted presumption. Through faithful people, prepare your world, O Lord. Let the crooked be made straight. Forgive our sin and pardon our wrongdoing. Through saved people, prepare your world, O Lord. Let the rough be made smooth. Help us struggle in understanding and give us wisdom to discern the good and true. Through sanctified people, prepare your world, O Lord. Let all people see the salvation of our God. Redeem your world and make all things Keep us humble and faithful. Save us and sanctify us, O God. Please continue in silent confession. these words of assurance. Jesus, the long-expected Savior, was born to set us free. 
He releases us from our fears and sins and helps us find our rest in him. Jesus delivers us from the way of sin and death, yet he remains the desire of people in every nation, and he will direct us in the ways of his kingdom. And so, with hopeful hearts, we call to him. Come now, long-expected Jesus. Come again to rule in our hearts. Would you rise and join us in singing, um, Come, O Redeemer, come. Pleasant Street, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Now you know I usually ask, and I'm going to ask again. Everyone, take a 180 
and look right at the camera dead center in the back. And please greet those who are at home or wherever they might be joining us online. Good morning to you all, and we're glad you're with us. Please take a few moments to share a greeting with each other. Can all the kids come up for Kid Street dismissal, please? People of God, what is our prayer? peace to love and serve Jesus. Mike Onema. I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street, at least for another month or so. And it's my uh, privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. We thank you that we're able to come before you today and worship you in this Advent season. Lord, we thank you for giving us this time and space to sing your praises and offer up to you the worship that you deserve. Lord, many of us come to you this morning conflicted in the midst of this holiday season when we should be remembering and celebrating your coming to earth as an infant, making yourself low in order to ultimately bring us salvation. We're instead focused on how difficult life continues to be. We see pandemic-related numbers rising again. Lord, some of us are quarantining to keep others safe. We hear of tragic school shootings. We hear of and see evidence of troubled financial markets. Lord, remind us once again that you are in control of all things, and that no matter how difficult life is, you hold us in all things in the palm of your hand. Provide for us the comfort that only you can provide, knowing that our ultimate hope is only in you. Lord, continue to be with us as a church as we seek to figure out what you have planned for us. Be with our council and staff as we struggle with discerning a future that often seems beyond our grasp to comprehend. Lord, we see a world that's sometimes hard for us to recognize and harder yet to predict. But in the midst of these struggles, we also see good things as well. We thank you for that. We see growth in our youth programs, new faces in our congregation. We see new leaders being raised up in, the midst, in our midst, and we see your kingdom work being done. 
Lord, we thank you for being faithful to us in the midst of struggles. We thank you for the faithful service of those that are completing their terms on council. And as new council members are chosen this week, we thank you for their willingness to serve. Give them the strength and wisdom to serve well. And Lord, may they find joy in doing so. Lord, bless them in their service as you've blessed those of us who will be completing our terms. Lord, be near to those in our midst who are struggling this season. Continue to be with Karen and Henny and others as they navigate cancer treatments. Bless them with the strength they need to stay the course. Lord, be with the Spallings as Larry struggles with some heart problems. May the treatments be effective and uh, so that they can continue their work in Japan. Lord, continue to be with Denise as she recovers from a recent bout of sickness. Help her to recover fully and regain her strength. Lord, be with the many of us that have lost loved ones this past year. As celebrations and parties occur, there will be many empty seats at our dinner tables. Be with uh, Alice and Trevor and the death of Alice's mom and their, the complications that have resulted from some, some COVID implications. Lord, just bless them and the plans that they make. Give them wisdom. Be with the Swart family in Harold's passing. Bless them in, in his life and as they celebrate that. Lord, comfort those who mourn as only you can comfort. Lord, again, we thank you for this Advent season. We thank you for your willingness to be made low, to come as, to earth as an infant, giving us the ultimate example of how we are to serve those around us. And Lord, may, this, may our hope this season and forever be in you alone. Lord, this morning be with Pastor Matthew as he reminds us of this hope through the words of Isaiah. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. This morning, I have the privilege of reading Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, which is found page 586 in your pew Bible. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Christmas tends to provoke strong reactions, not unlike maybe cilantro. It tends to bring out the sentimental in us on the one hand and the cynical on the other. Caught between these two, this morning, God sets before us some words from Isaiah. And Isaiah resists both sentimentality and cynicism. And it offers us a way 
to look at the world wide-eyed and yet somehow hope. In that hope, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we slowed down when we walked in this morning and we were greeted by strange clothing and strange words and songs in a minor key. And what that did was open us up to the opportunity to slow down, to be still and to wait. And waiting reminded us that what we really want is for the heavens to open and for you to come down so that we can behold something good, so that we can behold you in all your splendor. And so we prayed, come, Emmanuel, because we want peace. And we want a way to dispel the gloomy clouds. And we know that those things come when you are near. And so while our kids are downstairs, we speak their blessing over ourselves as well, asking that right now in this place, by your spirit, you would come and show us you're never stopping, never giving up always and forever love. Amen. As the night turned to early gray dawn, Viktor Frankl's train began to slow to a stop. Frankl, along with 80 other passengers in his coach, had been traveling through Europe for days. It was impossible to tell if they were still in Silesia the region between the Czech Republic and Poland, or if they had at this point crossed the border. Every spot was taken on the train that day, and it made it hard to get a good glimpse out of the window. The train blew an uncanny, sour whistle, like a voice. Like a voice crying for help. A warning. The train shunted, carrying all 1,500 passengers to a station. Suddenly, someone's voice cried out, matching the whistle. There's a sign. Auschwitz. And from the tops of the windows in the overcrowded train car, what became visible in that early gray pre-dawn was the outline of a sprawling camp. Long stretches of wire, watchtowers, searchlights, and columns of ragged figures marching along desolate roads. Frankel was an Austrian psychiatrist and philosopher, and he spent a lot of World War II in Nazi prison camps. He survived, and he wrote a book about what he saw. It's called Man's Search for Meaning, and I'd like to tell you about it. But I will grant to you that a story about a man living in a prison camp might not be what you expected three Sundays before Christmas. Victor Frankl's story is not for the faint of heart. But then again, 
neither is Advent. This is an Advent story, and here's why. What Frankel writes about in Man's Search for Meaning is what it's like to be in the desert. Not a literal desert, but a a meaning desert. A place where there is no glory. He writes about those camps and he describes for us how they were places designed to take away the thing that we all desperately need to live. Meaning. Here's what I mean. When you got there, most of what everybody owned had already been taken from them, but the first thing that happened when you entered the camp is that families were sorted by age groups and gender and health. And then they took your clothes and watches and shoes and socks and photos, your possessions and mementos were taken, your family relationships were taken, and then even your name. And so the book is about what happens when you go to a meaning desert where everything of value is taken from you. And Frankel begins to notice that while they are all enduring the same thing, not everyone there deals with it the same way. Some people in the camp endure violence and deprivation and they survive. And not only do they survive, but they continue to be the kind of people who would give away their daily ration of bread to a sick prisoner or volunteer for a work duty detail that would involve marching all day in bitter cold with shoes that didn't fit and no socks. Others, however, experience the same horrors and they simply wither away. Frankel observed that during the week between Christmas and New Year's 1944, the death rate skyrocketed, and he wonders why. Well, did the work get any harder? No, it didn't. Was there shorter rations than usual? No, there wasn't. The weather was no worse. There were no new epidemics that week. So what caused it? Frankel says, a lot of prisoners thought they'd be home by Christmas. And when their hope of coming home withered, They did too. And so Frankel writes Man's Search for Meaning to take us to the place where meaning dies, to take us to a meaning desert, and to show us that hope is literally a matter of survival. And to tell us that a prisoner who had hope for a good future had a meaning in life that could endure almost anything. And friends, it is Advent, and this is an Advent story, because during Advent, we are preparing for Christmas, yes, but actually, we are preparing for the future, for a second Christmas. Advent is about getting ready for Jesus to come back, and so Advent is about looking around in the present and learning to long for a good and very different future, and we are looking around us with the prophet Isaiah this morning. And Isaiah reminds us where we are. We live in a wilderness, a barren place, a desert. Wilderness is the geography of Advent. And Isaiah puts us there this morning. And the thing about a desert, about the wilderness, is is the terrain. Right In the desert, mountains and valleys obstruct your ability to see where you're going. 
In the wilderness, you don't know which way to turn. You do not know which way is going to bring you to a civilization or to water or to safety and rest. The thing about a wilderness is that you're exposed to enemies and also to the elements. The day is too hot and the night is too cold. Why is Isaiah talking about geography? Well, because the people of Israel lived in a world with this geography, and perhaps some of us can picture that wilderness. Maybe a few of us have actually even been to these places. But actually, whether we've been to the land of Palestine and Israel or not, we all know what Isaiah means. Because Isaiah is not talking about a literal wilderness. He's talking about spiritual terrain. We forget that these words of Isaiah were addressed to people who were not at home. So let's remember together that they were. They were addressed to people who lived in exile. They were addressed to people who had been dislocated. They had been sent to live under Babylon. And the time that they are there, Yahweh is silent. And all they can see are the towers and the statues and the grandeur of Babylon, which obstructs their view of any hope for the future. They cannot see anything good on the horizon. That is Israel's Advent story. Here is one of ours. Ahmad Danchani is a Syrian migrant who, along with hundreds and hundreds of other Migrants have been making their journey from Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria toward Europe in the hope of finding safety and asylum. They are the ones trapped at the borders between countries that maybe you've been hearing about. They live in a no-man's land. Ahmad was pushed back into Belarus from trying to cross into Poland six times by the Polish police. He said, when you come, they immediately push you into the forest. A Polish aid worker then commented in this story that not only are migrants sometimes pushed back from Poland to Belarus, but then sometimes they're pushed from Belarus to Poland. Ahmad said, we're like a ball between two parties. And that is an Advent observation. We are like a ball passed between two parties. Advent is about seeing what Ahmad knows that spiritually, we too are a people without a home. And we are looking for something good on the horizon and a way to get there. Something to hope for. And we will keep trying, because in the desert, we need food, and we need water, and we need shelter. And in the spiritual desert, what we need is a glimpse of glory. We need to know that there is something good on the horizon and a way to get there. Isaiah is talking about the person who has buried a loved one, who has received the diagnosis, who needs extra help these days from a chair or a walker. But Isaiah is also talking about the person who could only ever dream of climbing to the corner office. I knew a man like that once. We were having lunch. He'd lost his job. He said, you know, for years I worked and I worked. My goal was to make it to the ninth floor. Well... I've been to the top, and I can tell you, there's nothing up there. Isaiah is talking about the person who dreamed of retirement for years, who planned and saved and hoped for that day like a goal on the horizon, and then six months into it can't get out of bed and face a new one, because the days are so profoundly empty. 
Retirement always promised freedom, but it turned out to be a mirage. Isaiah is talking about the parents who dreamed that this year everyone would come home for Christmas dinner. She prepared a feast. He polished and set out the finest silverware and the good tablecloths. They wrote cards and they called and they asked everyone to come. Would you please come this year? Well, the kids came and they brought their spouses too. But as the meal goes on, the civility begins to unravel and the old grievances surface. The dance of accusations starts and everyone remembers their steps. Mom and dad hoped this year they could arrive at a place of reconciliation, but really, they seem to have gone in a circle, and they are right back where they started. And where do you look when health dries up and the plan for the future isn't what you thought it would be, and when you have no idea if the family will ever share a meal again? Where do you turn next? In this post-pandemic world, there are supply shortages and employment shortages, but it might be that our greatest shortage right now is for something good on the horizon and a way to get there. Friends, when you are in the desert, what you need is a direction. You need a clear way. You need a road. For a road is the promise that there is something else out there. And my friends, this Advent season, this morning, today, right now, to a people who have come from somewhere that they can't return and who can't get to where they thought that they were going, to a people who have many meaningful things that can, they, that can be lost in this world, Isaiah 40 is good news right here in the wilderness. Because Isaiah 40 proclaims good news to a people who hunger for glory. It is the promise of a road. A highway. In Isaiah 35, a few chapters before this, Isaiah described this road for us. He said that there will be a time when you will be on this highway and it will bring you to a place that is free of all threats. On this road, you will be in the company of other travelers who are going the same way. On this highway, you will find water like streams in the desert. On God's highway, you will find a path of life in the land of death. And it will lead each and every step of the way to the promise of more life and greater life and more glory. Because this is not just God's highway. This is the way to God. And that is what we all want. And so Isaiah puts God on the horizon and all the glory that would come with what that would mean. And then here in Isaiah 40, he picks the theme up again with a voice that cries out with hope. Isaiah proclaims, in the wilderness, prepare for the highway of God. But wait. The image has changed a little bit, hasn't it? You see, earlier, we thought that the path was for us to walk to get to God. But actually, Isaiah tells us now that it is God who is walking the path toward us. 
And it is God who will raise every valley that we lose our way in. And it is God who will level every mountain that we cannot see over. And God will make the rough ground that we stumble over level. And God will make the rugged places a plain. And when that happens, we will be able to see something that we could not find on the horizon before. What is it? The glory of the Lord. The glory that will be revealed to us. God will reveal God's self to us. He will raise the valleys. He will lower the hills. He will make the way straight and clear. And the result will be that all people lost in the desert will see the glory together. And we can catch a glimpse today. It might seem distant, but with Isaiah's vision, we can glimpse that there is something out there, that the presence of the Lord is real, and so is the power of God. We can make out that there is something more in this world than just wilderness and wild terrain. It is the promise that everything about God is in fact true. And so reconciliation in our families is not a fool's errand to hope for. Something beyond death is real. There is such a thing as home, and it is coming toward us. And the highway picks up right here, my friends, but the glory, it's out there, and God will bring it to us. And John the Baptist, generations later, in the wilderness, picks up Isaiah's words in a later time when the people had not heard from God for 400 years and they were lost for good news. And John in the desert gathers a crowd of people, people from all over, urban folks, country folks, rural folks, Israelite folks, stranger folks. They're all there at the water's edge in the river. And John the Baptist says, prepare yourselves for God's return. Winnowing fork is in his hand, says John. Burn up with unquenchable fire. But as the Gospels assure us, even as John says this, God was already there in the crowd with them. Jesus stood among them, full of the glory of God in the flesh. Jesus, in whom all the fullness of the glory of God dwelt, he is there among them, among the people hungry for something to live for. And he does not say, I will show you the way. He says, I am the way. And in strange Advent irony, the glory of Jesus and the way to God is revealed to us at the very place where it seems that nothing good could ever happen again. Which is still often where the glory gets revealed today. Rebecca Dang met the glory in a refugee camp. She had lost her home in her peaceful village in Sudan during civil war. Along with having to flee her home, she lost her parents and her grandparents. And in her story, what they meant for evil, she describes a long and difficult journey 
that means losing more and more things along the way. She travels with distant relatives. They're looking for a place of safety in the wilderness, in a country of conflict. What they get instead is a life in an overcrowded refugee camp on the border between two countries that are not sure what to do with them. And there they wait. And Rebecca learns to live her life in that place. She learns to cook and to tend fires and clothes. They have a school there and she loves to learn, but everyone tells her, don't set your hopes on that too much. Because she was told that she all she had to wait for was the only future she would ever have, which was being matched to a husband by her uncle. But then around Christmas time, one day she heard drumming and singing. And there's a procession of people carrying drums and singing and clapping. And they're walking by zone three, the zone of her camp and where she lives. And they look happy. And they are happy. And for her, this is like a stream right through the middle of the desert of zone three where she lives. Because Rebecca hasn't been happy in years. One of the singers catches her eye and she smiles and she says, we belong to a church here in zone three. Would you like to come? Yes, she said, I would like to go. Well, the next Sunday, she made the 30 minute walk to get to that church. And it wasn't much by all appearances, a few rows of raised mud with a fence around it, but it was full of joy. They sang songs about Jesus and they danced and they read the Bible. They treated it with reverence because they just had the one copy. The preacher spoke the promise of God who could make all things new, even right here, even you. And she was hooked. And she walked that path through the camp every Sunday. Why? Why did she do it even though her uncle forbade her to do it? Why did she keep going back? Because learning about Jesus, she discovered a man who knew exactly what it was like to live in the desert. Jesus experienced pain, betrayal, loss, and violence. All the things that steal meaning and hope from her and from us. And she realized that he endured all that so that we could find our meaning in his suffering. And on her bed at night, Rebecca would think about Jesus, and she would remember that God's most loved, beloved one suffered the most. And that means that now she didn't have to wonder, why do I suffer, God? She didn't have to live in fear that God didn't love her, because she knew that he did. And in church, we have a word for this. It's called hope. We call it hope. And God, in the voice of Isaiah, calls out the good news today. Jesus, the living way to God, is coming back for you. He's on his way right now. Even so... He's already here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord God, here in this place, it seems sometimes as though the mountains are too high and the valleys are too low. The ground in front of us is rough, and it is very hard to discern a path, much less a highway. In the eyes of faith, given by your Holy Spirit, would you open ours that we might see, discern, behold, adore, and walk the path that you have placed right here through the good news of Jesus, who is the way. Amen. Just as our younger folks are learning about Jesus together and singing and learning how to take that good news in, just as we do that together here upstairs as a congregation, so also our third through fifth graders have a chance to do that together through some discussion. And so friends, I'd invite any of our Echo Age students to come forward because we have a blessing for all of you. People of God, what is our prayer for these students? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard. Plant it deep in our hearts and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. And at the same time, we continue our response to God together by, with an act of trust, by giving some of the money and resources that God has entrusted to us for the work of God's church and ministries that we support. We can't do that by passing baskets right now, but ways that we can give and contribute are by dropping checks off in the box in the front during the week or also by giving online. And you can find access to that link on the website. Let's pray in response and gratitude to God for this. Friends, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the abundance of your good news. Help us as a tangible act of response to give out of some of what you have entrusted to us for the work of your church and for your kingdom, which is coming even now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I would invite you to rise in body or in spirit because the God who has gathered us and given us hope right here in this place also sends us with one more thing, a promise that he will be with you no matter where you go this week. I'd invite you to turn up to lift your eyes, to open your hands and receive it. Now, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's go singing.
Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching for silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angels chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Oh, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Amen. Have a great week.